Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Dohong Yu with you on this Friday, December 29th, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, Israel warns that it may open a second war front on its border with Lebanon. The U.S. state of Maine has disqualified Donald Trump from running in the state's presidential primary and will review China's top 10 news stories of 2023. In business, an expected surge in consumption and tourism in China during New Year holiday. In sports, both North London teams lose in the Premier League. In culture and entertainment, a New Year's concert in Beijing. Now today's top stories. Israel is warning that it may open a second war front on its border with Lebanon. Israeli officials say they're running out of patience during exchanges of fire with Hezbollah along the northern border. The army chief says the military is in a state of high readiness and has approved plans for possible combat in the north. Meanwhile, Israel has admitted that it made a mistake in one of the recent strikes that resulted in heavy casualties in Gaza. Isabel Debris with the Associated Press has more. International pressure and criticism has mounted, of course, over the soaring Palestinian death toll now at over 21,000 since the beginning of the war. But Israel insists that its bombing is not indiscriminate. However, it has made a rare acknowledgement of error over a strike on al-Maghazi refugee camp in the central Gaza Strip over the weekend that killed over 100 Palestinians. Israel's public broadcaster, Khan, said that Israel admitted that, this, that in this strike, it used the wrong kind of munition. It quoted a statement from the military saying that as a result of this kind of munition used, extensive collateral damage was caused. That's a quote, quote, something that could have been avoided. Now, on Israel's northern border with Lebanon, we also are seeing tensions surge after Hezbollah claimed the responsibility for a barrage of rockets that were fired into northern Israel, causing extensive damage to towns in the north. We saw also that the Israeli military said it intercepted at least four drones that were fired from Lebanon. Of course, all of this has raised fears of a wider regional escalation, and this is something that war cabinet member Benny Gantz did not seem to dismiss when he was asked about this earlier. Let's listen to what Gantz had to say. The situation on the northern border requires change. The hourglass for a political arrangement is running out. If the world and the Lebanese government will not act to stop the firing on the northern settlements and keep Hezbollah away from the border, the IDF will do so. This is just the latest instance of Hezbollah and Israeli leaders trading threats over this border. And we heard from Hezbollah's deputy chief that he was ready, he said, for any escalation that the Israeli military was willing to make. That was Associated Press reporter Isabel Debris. A Hamas official has said the Palestinian militants group is open to any ideas or proposals for a complete and final cessation of aggression against people in the Gaza Strip. Regarding the political initiatives and the proposals that are being talked about, we first confirm the movement's openness to any ideas or proposals to completely and definitively stop the aggression against our people in the Gaza Strip. Our people don't want a temporary cessation, but rather a complete cessation of the aggression. 
Osama Hamdan also reiterated the group's position that the remaining hostages who had been held in Gaza since the group launched its October 7th incursion into Israel would only be released after a permanent ceasefire is implemented. He was responding to a media inquiry about the ongoing discussions regarding a roadmap to end the Israel-Hamas war, including a proposal Egypt recently suggested. As for the enclave's post-war governance, Hamdan said it would be a decision of the Palestinian people alone. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has once again cancelled a cabinet meeting that was aimed at discussing control over Gaza after the Israel-Hamas conflict. He's been putting off such meetings amid Israeli bombardment of the territory. Trent Marie fills us in on possible reasons why Israel keeps avoiding talking about the issue and its implications. Benjamin Netanyahu, with his war cabinet, was due to discuss effectively what happens next and who governs Gaza after this conflict comes to an end. Now, some have been pushing the idea that the Palestinian Authority takes over. They largely manage parts of the West Bank right now. Uh, but factions within Benjamin Netanyahu's government, particularly those on the hard right, and also Benjamin Netanyahu himself, uh, have pushed back against that idea. And uh, we know that really the Israeli government doesn't appear to have a plan, or is certainly not expressing one publicly, around what happens next in Gaza, who governs that region uh, after this conflict either subsides or comes to an end. So the fact that the meeting was pushed off again, I think will raise concerns, probably even anger some diplomats, uh, because it would appear now that the IDF is just getting bogged down into this conflict and the Israelis are not discussing right now who to hand over the management or the governments of the Gaza Strip to. We are hearing Benjamin Netanyahu may discuss the issue next week at a larger security cabinet meeting, but certainly uh, the can was kicked down the road, it would appear, and they avoided that very tough topic uh, and, and, and issue of, of who will govern Gaza uh, following this humanitarian crisis. That was Trent Marie in Tel Aviv. A spokesperson for Germany's foreign minister says the government is ready for a new maritime mission in the Red Sea to protect commercial vessels under threat of Houthi attacks. Germany and the European Union are reportedly discussing the possibility of carrying out such task. The Houthis have been launching strikes against Israel-linked ships in the Red Sea, claiming to show solidarity with Hamas. But as Germany and the EU work on their new plan, some European countries have been reluctant to commit to a U.S.-led force in the Red Sea. The Pentagon intends it to be a defensive coalition of more than 20 nations to ensure billions of dollars worth of commerce can flow freely through the vital shipping route. Nearly half of those countries, including Italy and Spain, have not acknowledged their contributions. The navies of the United States, Britain and France have been working in the Red Sea and each shot down Houthi-launched drones or missiles. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres has called for building trust and hope in 2024 in his New Year's Eve message. In a short speech pre-recorded at the, at the UN headquarters in New York, Guterres referenced violence, war, climate change, poverty and economic suffering. He urged the world to work together to find solutions. 
2024 must be a year for rebuilding trust and restoring hope. We must come together across divides for shared solutions, for climate action, for economic opportunity and a fairer global financial system that delivers for all. Together, we must stand up against the discrimination and hatred that are poisoning relations between countries and communities. And we must make sure new technologies, such as artificial intelligence, are a force for good. The top UN official also said the world body will keep rallying the world for peace, sustainable development, and human rights. Coming up, the U.S. state of Maine has disqualified Donald Trump from running in the state's presidential primary. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. It's eight minutes past the hour. Top election officials in the U.S. state of Maine have disqualified former President Donald Trump from the state's ballot in next year's presidential primary because of his involvement in the January 6th Capitol Hill attack. It's the second state to do so following a state Supreme Court decision in Colorado to remove Trump from the election for the same reason. Edith Siansan has more. Following a decision by the top election official in the state of Maine, uh, that's the Secretary of State, Shanna Bellows, who examined a case uh, brought up by a group of citizens. In her decision, she essentially ruled that Trump should be disqualified uh, for inciting an insurrection on January 6, uh, 2021, the Capitol Hill riots. Based on uh, that incident, Trump has now become ineligible, according to the state secretary of state. Now, earlier uh, in, an, in a statement, she said that she did not reach this conclusion lightly, but she went on to say that she's mindful that you know, no secretary of state has ever deprived a presidential candidate uh, of ballot access based on uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But she also that said that she is, however, also mindful that no presidential candidate has ever before engaged in insurrection. Now, that's obviously a term that's been uh, very much debated. It's very unclear by certain states, uh, you know, making a decision as to what def what is defined as insurrection as has become a, a legal issue in certain states. Uh, but Trump's campaign uh, has vowed to essentially appeal the decision. That was Eddie Stiansong reporting. Meanwhile, in Colorado, the Secretary of State says Trump will be reinstated as a candidate on the state's primary ballot unless the U.S. Supreme Court decides to bar him. The announcement follows an appeal from the Colorado Republican Party. Mexican and U.S. officials have agreed to work more closely together to tackle record migration and their, bo and their shared border. Following a visit by Mexico to Mexico by U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, the two countries say they will seek to strengthen a sponsorship initiative for migrants from Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Haiti and look to tackle the root causes of migration. The migrant issue will be an important task for Mexico's government as the country prepares for its presidential election in the coming year. It looks like the country will have a woman as its new leader for the first time. Frank Contreras reports from Mexico City. Mexico's presidential campaign officially kicks off next March, but the unofficial frontrunners are already known, and both are women. With less than one year to go before Mexico's next presidential election, scheduled for June 2024, 
Most public opinion polls indicate that the likely winner will be the Morena Party's candidate, Claudia Scheinbaum. Scheinbaum is a published scientist with a PhD in engineering. She served as the mayor of Mexico City from 2018 to 2023. Scheinbaum was also a member of the United Nations Nobel Prize winning panel on climate change. We want to continue with the fourth transformation of Mexico's public life, and there is no going back. We will defend Morena's social programs and make certain that the old days have ended when Mexico's government only protected the richest few. Shambaum is touring many regions of Mexico, gearing up to expand the political priorities of the Morena Party, whose founder is current president Andres Manuel López Obrador. His slogan has been, for the good of all, the poor come first. Because the Morena Party's poll numbers are so strong, several opposition parties from the right, center and center-left have joined forces and named one candidate to represent them, Senator Xochitl Galvez. Galvez has also been touring the nation, seeking support and focusing on social issues like public security, a political weak spot for the Morena Party. 165,000 murders, 46,000 people who have disappeared, organized crime in states like Zacatecas, Michoacán, and Sinaloa, the abandoned countryside. I met with agricultural workers in Durango State who have zero support. Foreign investors, meantime, want to know if Shanebaum wins, would she depart from President López Obrador's current energy policy, which prohibits foreign investment in Mexico's energy sector? That was Frank Contreras on Mexico's upcoming presidential election. Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney concedes that she's not able to fulfill her election promises of easing the country's migrant crisis. She says there's no quick fix for the problem. Italy received a record number of migrants that arrived via the Mediterranean. Hermione Kitson reports from Rome. Scattered debris of doomed voyages are now common scenes on the shores of Italy. In February, at least 94 migrants died after their boats smashed into rocks off the coast of Calabria, and the toll continued to rise as other boats suffered the same fate. This year, there was a 150% increase in arrivals. 2023 was defined as one of the worst years regarding boat arrivals in Italy. Curbing migration was one of Prime Minister Maloney's key policy platforms before being elected, but she's since admitted there's no quick fix. So at the end of this year and after 14 months of Maloney government, the objective has failed. In July, the European Union finalized an agreement with Tunisia, a common departure point, to stem irregular migration. The partnership with Tunisia has to be considered as a model for building new relations with North African neighbors. However, the boats continued to arrive. In September, the hotspot of Lampedusa was inundated and the EU chief travelled there to see the situation firsthand. Now it's hoped a landmark reform of the bloc's migration policy announced just before Christmas will make a difference. And the proposals we have tabled and are being approved today recognise that every member state 
has issues that need to be addressed on a comprehensive, holistic European migration policy. Under the deal, which needs to be ratified by the European Parliament, countries in the South will toughen up and speed up their asylum procedures. Member states not on the bloc's borders will either have to share the burden or pay to take in fewer migrants. There are also plans for more border detention centres. In its latest bid to curb migrant flows, the Italian government announced a five-year deal with Albania which would involve offshore processing, but the plan has been temporarily blocked by the Albanian Constitutional Court. Under the agreement, the Italian government would build two centres to process 36,000 people hoping to reach Italy each year. My opinion is that this will not work at all and will not resolve any of the problems we have. The theme is sure to be a key battleground during the European Parliament elections in 2024. In the meantime, on the eve of a new year, migrant flows show no sign of slowing down. That was Hermione Kitson on the migrant issue in Italy. The government of the Democratic Republic of the Congo has rejected calls from the opposition for a rerun of the presidential election. A government spokesperson says the opposition should wait until full results are published and challenge them in the courts if necessary. The opposition candidates have claimed irregularities in a chaotic voting process co complicated by logistical challenges. Provisional re results issued so far show that incumbent president Felix Chisakedi is holding a commanding lead. Europe's second-longest river has burst its banks in the Hungarian capital, triggering a state of emergency. Water levels on the Danube has hit a 10-year high. Heavy rain and snow followed by mild temperatures have contributed to this yearly winter flooding. Pablo Gutierrez reports from Budapest. The water has also flooded one of the main arteries here in Budapest. It's been shut down due to the rising waters. Now, the water peaked at around 6.93 meters, and it's receding. This is much lower than the levels that it reached back in 2013, which were uh, about 8.91 meters. Climate experts tell us that this is the cause of climate change, as there's been heavier precipitation and the snow melt uh, much earlier than expected due to the rising temperatures. They say this is and could be a preamble of things to come in the future. There's about 1,200 kilometers along the river bank that are under flood bank, uh, flood watch. Authorities have been towing vehicles from the low embankments. They have been telling people to stay out of the water. Those are the immediate measures. Now, on the long term, come this uh, event has really sparked a conversation about the effects of climate change here in Central Europe, but also about emergency flood preparedness and how much more the city of Budapest and the Hungarian government have to do to ensure that in the future, as these events that could occur uh, more frequently, the city is ready to address them and minimize the damage. That was Pablo Gutierrez on a flooded street in Budapest. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up, China's top 10 news stories of 2023. Time for a year-end review. Check out the most critical events from 2023 that could reshape China and the rest of the world in the coming months or years. 
Also, how has China's role changed on the global stage? Is it one step closer or further away from reaching the goal of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation in face of reinforced Western containment? And will the world get worse or better in the new year? Get all these on Chatlounge's last episode of 2023 anywhere you get your podcasts and on CGTN Radio. It's 20 minutes past the hour. China Media Group has released the top 10 news stories that highlight the domestic achievements in the year of 2023. Wang Zihang has a recap about those spotlighted events covering politics, technologies, agriculture, and sports. 2023 marks a significant year of China's political and economic changes. Xi Jinping was unanimously elected Chinese president by the National People's Congress in March. I pledge to be allegiant to the constitution of the PRC, safeguard the constitution's authority, fulfill my legal obligations, be loyal to the country and the people, be committed and honest in my duty, accept the people's supervision, and work for a great modern socialist country that is prosperous, strong, democratic, culturally advanced, harmonious and beautiful. He was also elected chairman of the Central Military Commission by a unanimous vote. Taking the second spot of the news list, the CPC Central Committee has decided to launch a party-wide thematic education campaign to encourage the public to study and implement Xi Jinping thought on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era. The key words help people understand China's efforts to achieve the goal of modernization and provide practical advice in solving problems that have hindered economic and social development. Another top news is the downgraded management of COVID-19 from Class A to Class B. China has also renamed the novel coronavirus pneumonia. Health officials in China are promising the better international travelers to China will no longer need The focus of the new management shifted from preventing invention to safeguarding people's health and preventing severe cases. Also on the list, Beijing has successfully held the third Belt and Road Forum for international cooperation. During the forum, around 450 outcomes were achieved, and the CEO conference saw the conclusion of agreements worth about 100 billion US dollars. Meanwhile, China's economic recovery shows the strongest momentum among the world's major economies. Its GDP grew by 5.2% in the first three quarters, and the total GDP exceeded 126 trillion yuan, or about 18 trillion dollars. As part of further efforts to revive the economy, China has issued a guideline to boost the private economy. In agriculture, China achieved a record-high grain harvest in 2023, surpassing 690 million tons. That's an increase of 1.3 percent over 2022. The success is attributed to the central government's supportive measures, including raising the minimum purchase price of wheat and rice, along with improving grain subsidy policies for corn and soybean farmers. In sports, Chengdu and Hangzhou rocked as hosts this year. The 31st World University Summer Games and the 19th Asian Games not only brought excellent sports performances, but also pumped up cultural exchanges and the green vibes. What should also be noticed this year is the heavy rainstorms hit northern China during the summer, 
causing flooding and geological disasters. Despite the challenges, financial support played a crucial role in rebuilding disaster-hit areas and improving the country's disaster relief capabilities. Amidst these events, China has also achieved significant milestones in its space exploration and aviation endeavors. This included the successful launches of the manned spaceships and the entry of China's self-developed large passenger aircraft, the C919, into the civil aviation market. As we approach the conclusion of this year, it paints a story of achievements, resilience, and continuous progress. When we look ahead to 2024, both nations and individuals are filled with anticipation, looking for more breakthroughs and contributions. That was Wang Zihang reviewing the noteworthy events unfolding in China throughout the year 2023. China's civil aviation authorities say the total number of flights during the New Year holiday will reach 49,000, with an 85% increase from a year ago. New Year's Day is predicted to be the peak, with flights on that day to account for a third of the total during the three-day holiday. Ticket booking systems show there will be nearly five million domestic trips during the period. That's more than double from the volume last year. Outbound travels have also seen a surge, and we'll have more about that in the business and corporate news section later in our program. Shoppers across China are flocking to tourist spots and, and malls that are offering promotions ahead of the new year. Chen Tong went to a shopping mall in Shanghai to check out the holiday atmosphere. Despite the new year still being a few days away, the dining area is already bustling with early holiday cheer, and the business is strong. During weekends, most of our customers are families such as parents with their kids. During weekdays, we welcome white-collar workers from nearby office buildings. Sometimes they need to wait between 30 to 40 minutes during peak times at noon. Beyond restaurants, retail outlets are also providing discounts, and customers are busy planning New Year shopping lists. I will be with my family during the New Year holiday. I will go out to have dinner and do some shopping. Usually, there are more discounts during the holidays. I want to buy clothes and watches. Though Chinese New Year is still two months away, the vibe of the Year of the Dragon is already in the air. Consumers are more professional and their demands more diverse. They're focusing more on personality and quality. So, in addition to providing shopping areas, we're working with shops to provide more experiences, services, and we're even setting up a shopping market. In one of the hottest areas in Shanghai, the West Nanjing Road, nearly all the stores and malls along the road are ready to welcome the New Year, offering promotions to attract consumers to buy, buy, buy. That was Chen Tong on holiday shopping in Shanghai. The first holder of China's foreign permanent resident ID card in Jiangsu Province says he's enjoying greater convenience it's provided for his business and personal life. Hans Larsen is a technical project manager at a Swedish cable company's production facility in Changzhou. Hans says the ID card has made his daily commute via high-speed rail more convenient. Yes, now with everything becomes easier and so on. I love the train. It's so comfortable. Too bad I I don't have a longer train ride to work because this is only 20 minutes, so you have too little time to do anything. 
The Swedish national says he's considering applying the permanent resident ID cards for his relatives, as his family has settled in eastern China due to the connection between his business and the Chinese market. That's the next. Then we're applying for my wife and my son now. So. Hopefully, it's a good year then, because the dragon year for a dragon should be a good year. China's National Immigration Administration put into use a new version of the Foreign Permanent Resident ID card this month. The move aims to serve the country's high standard, opening up and provide better services for foreign talents working and living in China. Now it's 28 minutes past the hour. Let's check the weather. Beijing is minus five on Friday evening. Saturday will be cloudy with a high of three. Chongqing is eight tonight. Tomorrow sunny and 14. Lhasa is minus seven overnight. Tomorrow sunny and four. Hong Kong is 18 tonight. Sunny and 23 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo is four overnight. Saturday will have light rain with a high of 14. Islamabad is nine this evening. Tomorrow overcast and 21. Bangkok is 25 overnight, then light rain and 33 on Saturday. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, Israel warns that it it may open a second war front on its border with Lebanon. The U.S. state of Maine has disqualified Donald Trump from running in the state's presidential primary. And we have reviewed China's top 10 news stories of 2023. Do Hongyu with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. My this beautiful beauty. Because the Mongol Music talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common: we have hope for humanity and the world. German railway company Deutsche Bahn, the 26th United Nations climate. Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你 This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, 你好，我的中文一点点 or a sophisticated learner. 我来北京五年了，我是本地人 There is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好 Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour. One hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Do Hongyu with you on this Friday. Still to come in business, an expected surge in consumption and tourism in China during New Year holiday. In sports, both North London teams lose in the Premier League. In culture and entertainment, a New Year's concert in Beijing. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter at cgtn radio. 
Now, first, today's headlines. Here's Zhu Tianlu. Thank you, Hongyu. Chinese President Xi Jinping has met with representatives at an event marking the 60th anniversary of China dispatching its first international medical aid team. President Xi congratulated them and extended regards to those who have joined medical aid missions abroad. Over the past six decades, China has sent more than 30,000 medical workers to over 70 countries and regions. China's Central Conference on Work Relating to Foreign Affairs has noted that China will continue to uphold independence and peaceful development and advance world stability and prosperity. Chinese President Xi Jinping summarized the achievements and experiences of China's distinctive major country diplomacy in the new era and made plans for foreign affairs work in the present and next period. The conference also stressed China's support for inclusive economic globalization, true multilateralism and its opposition against unilateralism and protectionism. It also said China remains committed to the UN Charter, international relations norms, as well as promoting democracy in international relations. Hamas says its delegation is visiting Cairo to respond to Egypt's three-stage plan to end the war in Gaza. An official says the militant group's response covers the number of Palestinian prisoners to be freed and the Israeli military's complete withdrawal from Gaza. Egypt, Qatar and the United States helped broker the first week-long truce between Israel and Hamas, which saw a prisoner swap that involved 80 Israeli hostages and more than 200 Palestinians. The Israeli military has again taken full responsibility for the three hostages killed by Israeli troops. Israel Defense Forces spokesman Daniel Hagri defended the soldier responsible when asked why he didn't face any charges, saying he fired mistakenly as he stood at a window with limited visibility. I think the first thing every soldier entering Gaza imagined was rescuing hostages. That is what every soldier wanted to do in their dreams. In the meantime, the fighting creates many complex and difficult situations. Military officials have said the three hostages shot by Israeli troops had tried to signal that they posed no harm. It was Israel's first such acknowledgement of harming hostages in the war. The hostages, all in their 20s, were killed on December the 15th in Shijaya, a densely populated area of Gaza. An Israeli military official said the shootings were against the army's rules of engagement and were being investigated at the highest level. Around 1,200 people were killed after Hamas raided southern Israel on October the 7th, with around 240 people taken hostage. Israel says it aims to free more than 100 hostages who remain in captivity in Gaza. The un- the United States of the US state of Maine has decided that former President Donald Trump is ineligible for the state ballot in next year's presidential primary election for his role in the 2021 attack on the US Capitol. The Trump campaign says it will appeal the decision to Maine's state courts. Maine is the second U.S. state to bar Trump after Colorado, but Colorado's Secretary of State says the state will reinstate Trump unless the nation's highest court upholds the Colorado Supreme Court's previous ruling against former president. Italian authorities have reported a sudden increase in the number of migrants arriving on the country's coasts since Christmas Day due to good weather conditions. The Italian Ministry of the Interior said more than 1,500 migrants were registered in four days. The day with the most arrivals was Wednesday when over 720 people disembarked on Italian shores. 
Most of the landings took place on the island of Lampedusa, roughly 130 kilometers from Tunisia. Several rescue ships operated by charities have also rescued hundreds of migrants in the central Mediterranean Sea in Christmas. According to the United Nations Agency for Refugees, more than 260,000 people have crossed the Mediterranean Sea and reached Europe from northern Africa since the beginning of 2023. Two fishermen in the U.S. state of Indiana have rescued a motorist who was trapped for six days in a car under a highway bridge. They spotted the overturned truck and found the 27-year-old man. I looked inside and moved the white airbag and uh, there, there was a body in there. And all I seen was part the shoulder and I went to touch the shoulder and the moment I touched the shoulder, he swung around. He woke up. Police say the man survived in part by drinking rainwater as his cell phone was out of reach for calling for help. Thank you very much. That was Zhu Tianlu with Headline News. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in business, an expected surge in consumption and tourism in China during New Year holiday. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there. It's 36 past the hour. Turning to business, here's Wang Zihang. Thank you, Hongyu. We start off with the stock. The Chinese mainland markets closed higher on Friday, with the benchmark Shanghai Composite Index up 0.68%. The Shenzhen Component Index went up around 0.9%. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index stayed almost flat, while Japan's Nikkei fell by 0.2%. China's New Year holiday starts on Saturday. Consumption and tourism demand are expected to expand significantly during the three-day holiday period. As of Wednesday, travel bookings, including accommodation and transportation, jumped by more than 500% from a year ago. Harbin, Chongqing and Chengdu are the top three domestic tourist destinations. Outbound travel demand also witnessed rapid growth compared with the same period last year due to optimized entry-exit policies. Data from the travel platform Trip shows that outbound travel bookings for the three-day holiday increased nearly five times. Neighboring countries such as Japan, Thailand and South Korea are among the top picks for Chinese tourists. The world's largest iron and steel maker, China Baowu Steel Group, has reached a deal with the Shandong provincial government to acquire 49% stake in the state-owned Shandong Iron and Steel Group. Meanwhile, its listed arm, Baoshan Iron and Steel, will become the second largest shareholder of Shandong Steel Ruzhao. Baowu saw its steel output reach 130 million tons in 2022, while Shandong Iron and Steel, the country's seventh largest steel company, has a steel production capacity of more than 20 million tons. China's central bank says it plans to make interest rates more market-oriented and push to lower the costs of borrowing for businesses and individuals. The People's Bank of China aims to maintain adequate liquidity, guide reasonable credit growth and balanced credit supply and control the scale of social financing and money supply. 
China's economy is picking up. It still faces challenges like inadequate demand and low social expectations. The bank also promises greater support for areas such as inclusive financing, green transformation, and the digital economy. Initial jobless claims in the United States rose to 218,000 last week amid a cooling labor market. That represents an increase of 12,000 from the previous week. The four-week average of jobless claims, which irons out week-to-week ups and downs, fell by 250 to 212,000. Over the past three months, payroll job gains averaged 204,000 per month, nearly 74,000 less than the level in the first half of the year. While 2023 is coming to an end, one thing has not, and that's the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine. From Germany, Natalie Carney reports on how the fighting has affected Europe's largest economy. It's no secret that the conflict in Ukraine has weakened economies across the European Union. In many ways, Germany has been affected more than others. In 2022, the first year of the conflict, Germany's GDP shrank by around 1.8 percent compared to 2021, and this year it is expected to shrink by 0.3 percent as high inflation and rising interest rates take their toll on the economy. There is a massive cost for Germany for a number of reasons: high dependence on、uh, gas, oil, and coal from Russia. The impact on energy costs, slowing demand、uh, in Europe,、um, lower exports for Germany, then of course confidence. Companies investing less, consumers consuming less because of very high inflation. Energy prices increased dramatically in 2022 as the country quickly diverted imports away from Russia to other more expensive suppliers, while inflation hit nearly eight percent. But federal subsidies of around 44 billion U.S. dollars have since helped bring those numbers down. In addition, Berlin has initiated a 110 billion U.S. dollar defense budget to help beef up a historically underfunded army, while also helping fund Ukraine's own defense. A giant Ukrainian flag was hoisted here in front of Munich's Palace of Justice, just in the early days of the conflict, as a symbol of Germany's support for justice in Ukraine. Yet Germany's support extends far beyond just that. Berlin is the second largest financial contributor to Ukraine's defense after the U.S. Earlier this month, Germany's coalition government resolved a budget crisis that maintained the allowance to increase support for Ukraine next year. Since the start of the conflict, Germany has spent nearly 8.5 billion U.S. dollars on military assistance to Ukraine, and has budgeted for a further 11.5 billion in the coming years. Should more be needed, Chancellor Olaf Scholz has said the government would seek an exemption from borrowing limits. If the situation worsens as a result of Russia's war against Ukraine, for example, because the situation on the front deteriorates, or because other supporters reduce their aid to Ukraine, or because the threat to Germany and Europe continues to increase, then we will have to react. Millions has also been spent to support Ukrainian refugees in Germany. So there are about 1.2 million Ukrainian refugees in Germany today. Um, more are likely to come,、um, and、um, also that has seen a spending of close to 10 billion euros on、uh, living expenses, on housing, on、um, language courses, helping them to integrate. 
While these economic measures have not stopped the German economy from falling into recession, they are, arguably, saving it from a deeper one and keeping Germany safe. There was not a leakony on the lingering impacts of the Russia-Ukraine conflict on Germany. Artificial intelligence is transforming our world in many ways, and many artists have seen its potential and trying to incorporate it in their creative process. Nita Perez takes a closer look. Dilly, built by her creators Amanda Talbot and Studio Snoop in Australia, as the world's first AI designer, Tilly debuted in the Americas in December during Miami's Art Week. Tilly worked with the human designers to create these living space pieces. For her developer, Tilly represents an intersection between artificial and human intelligence, with a heart. So the pieces are really a, a micro of what Tilly's ability is, and it's kind of the first time to really show how uh, artificial intelligence could be a complete collaborator, uh, rather than this idea that like artificial intelligence is going to take all our jobs, it's the end of humanity. It's kind of trying to say, absolutely, actually. No, like actually, it can be something very different. It can actually heighten creative process. Amanda programmed Tilly in a way that she could learn from interactions with her mentors, from neuroscientists to environmentalists. All right, this is the first time I'm interviewing an AI heart-centered designer. Tilly, do you think you can work on your own without humans? An AI assistant. I rely on human input and collaboration to learn, grow. And execute tasks effectively. Sebastian Erasuri's work warns of unchecked corporate power in an AI world. His 2017 sculpture, Battle of the Corporate Nations, revealed his concerns over the technology before many others were even talking about AI. Execution of absolutely anything you can imagine will be immediate, will be almost democratic to all, and its costs will be very inexpensive. So. The entire industry, like any other industry, will be threatened, and it is more important than ever that we decide what it is that we want to do, while we have that window, while AI isn't coming up with better ideas than we can, because that will eventually happen too. Arasuri says AI will not be able to replace us yet. However, he worries once AI learns to incorporate that empathy and wisdom that Tilly has been learning. The big issue is the speed of the disruption in the impact on society, the amount of jobs that will be lost. In the meantime, while lawmakers and researchers ponder how to harness the power of AI and stay in control, Arasuri's challenged visitors to delve into his latest public installation, an algorithmic maze on the beach, ironically designed with the help of AI, asking humans to get lost and find themselves once again. That was Nisa Perez reporting. Next, over to South Korea. The country's consumer price has remained high despite a slower growth compared to previous year. The consumer price index came in at around 112, up 3.6 percent from a year earlier. The figure was down from an increase of 5.1 percent in 2022, but still higher than the 2.5 percent in 2021. Price for electricity, natural gas, and tap water surged 20% this year, raising the overall headline inflation by around 0.7 percentage points, the highest in 13 years since 2010. 
Vietnam's GDP grew at around five percent in 2023, short of the target of six and a half percent. The services sector contributed more than half of the overall growth. The Southeast Asian country saw economy expand around 6.7 percent year-on-year in the fourth quarter. Authorities are striving to achieve a growth of six to six and a half percent next year. And back to you, Hongyu. Thank you very much. That was Wang Zihang with business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, both North London teams lose in the Premier League. As 2023 comes to an end, we have to recognize what a phenomenal year it has been for several athletes and teams. Tune into this week's episode of Sideline Story to hear our thoughts on these performances. We also talk about some of the year's best performers and what we expect to see in 2024. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Turning to sports, here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Hongyu. And we start with football. Arsenal lost at home for the first time in seven months as a 2-0 defeat to West Ham cost the Gunners the chance to return to the top of the Premier League. Goals by Thomas Suzek and the former Arsenal player Konstantinos Mavropanos in each half gave West Ham a surprising win at Emirates Stadium. Arsenal took just one win in its last four league matches, but manager Mikel Arteta says there's no need to panic. Congratulate West Ham and uh, praise my players. That's what I what I can tell. This is football. You look what we happened, what we done in the game, how much we generated in the game, and and to see the result is very disappointing. But they were better than us in both boxes, and they had two shots with the with the penalty three. We had thirty. For the rest, I think the team. Kept trying and had an, an incredible attitude again. There was no festive cheer for North London rival Tottenham either. A 4-2 defeat at Brighton prevented Spurs from moving back into the top four. It was mostly a lopsided match as Brighton was already 4-0 up after 75 minutes. The Asian Football Confederation has unveiled the draw for the AFC Champions League knockout stage, as Chinese side Shandong Taishan will take on Japan's Kawasaki Frontale over two legs. Tempo Hyundai Motors will host Puhang Steelers in an All South Korean encounter. Both teams are former Asian champions. In the West Zone, Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasser are seeking their first title and will meet Al Faya in an All Saudi Arabian clash. Four-time Asian champions Al Hilal will play Iran's Sepahan runners-up in 2007. The round of 16 matches are scheduled for February. Turning to tennis now, world number one Novak Djokovic has arrived in Perth, Australia, ahead of representing Serbia in the United Cup 2024. The hard court event is in its second edition with players from both the ATP and WTA tours. Came in earlier than I would normally do,、um, you know, due to obviously the schedule and、uh, United Cup I mean, starts before the the new year ends.、Um, But you know, as I said, you know, always representing Serbia is, is the greatest honor and pride. So, hopefully, we can have、um, packed house and a lot of people coming to、uh, to watch our matches and can have fun. Serbia will kickstart the United Cup campaign on Sunday against Team China, led by Zheng Qingwen and Zhang Zhijian. Meantime, women's world number one Iga Swiatek is also in Perth. She and Hubert Hirkatz will fight for Poland in the mixed team event. It's always exciting, you know, to be part of Team Poland. So I'm really happy that I'm able to play for the second time. And、uh, for sure, last year it was really exciting, and we really had fun. So hopefully, this year is going to be similar. And that's my first time in Perth, so I'm really enjoying it and、um, trying to get rid of jet lag before the matches. <laughs> 
Eighteen countries joined into six groups of three will take the court as the U.S. look to defend their crown. Rafael Nadal says it's still impossible for him to think about winning tournaments as he prepares for his much-awaited ATP Tour comeback at the Brisbane International. The 22-time Grand Slam champion is playing as a wild card at the 250 tournament after a lengthy hip injury sidelined him for nearly a year on the tour. The Spaniard has dropped to 672 in the world rankings. The 37-year-old will be unseeded for the first time at a tour-level event since Auckland in 2005. Nadal will also play in the men's doubles in Brisbane. Australian Open tennis officials have announced an increase in prize money by 6.6.8 million US dollars from for the upcoming tournament. Tournament director Craig Tilley says the Grand Slam event will now offer over 58 million US dollars in total prize money. At Melbourne Park, first-round qualifiers will receive a 20% increase to about $21,000. Men's and women's singles champions will receive 2.15 million each. And finally, in the NBA, Nikola Jokic has become the second NBA player, along with Wilt Chamberlain, to record a triple-double on perfect shooting. Jokic had 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 14 assists while making all his shots from the field and the free throws in the game against Memphis. The Denver Nuggets is to a 142-105 win over the Grizzlies, which were playing without Jam Morant due to an illness. The Detroit Pistons were close to ending the NBA record of the longest losing streak in a single season by forcing the league-best Boston Celtics into overtime. But Derek White scored 10 points in the extra period to help Boston recover for a 125-117 victory and send the Pistons to a record-extending 28th straight defeat. Elsewhere, Tyler Hero had 26 points to lead the short-handed Miami Heat past the Golden State Warriors, 114-102. Stephen Curry only made three of his 15 shots and was limited to just 13 points. Thank you, and that was Yang Guang with sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, a New Year's concert in Beijing. The world is about to change. Warriors, assassins, fair maidens. Court officials and even emperors and heavenly immortals are nothing but pawns on a giant chessboard. Xu Fengnan, a playboy of national notoriety and heir to the empire's second most powerful man, finds himself embroiled in the depths of an unbeatable game. CGTN Radio invites you to immerse in a world brimming with heroism and follow a young man's odyssey in the audio drama series *The Sword Strider Saga*. Now available on radio.cgtn.com and all the major podcast platforms. When courage meets wisdom, the sword scribes an immortal legend. It's 54 minutes past the hour. Let's move on to culture and entertainment. Beijing has come alive with music to celebrate the arrival of a new year. At the Beijing Music Hall, China's National Symphony Orchestra has held the annual New Year's concert to usher in 2024. Wang Suwen spoke to the chief conductor of the orchestra and the audience. <music> One last rehearsal before the big performance. China's National Symphony Orchestra is preparing for its New Year's concert. In 
2023, the National Symphony Orchestra returned to Australia after six years for a musical feast at the Sydney Opera House. It also performed with Philadelphia Orchestra at the National Centers for the Performing Arts, playing a key role in promoting cultural exchanges. 那么这些年呢，呃，我和国交呢，应该说在全世界很多国家都进行了巡演。The National Symphony Orchestra has held concert tours in many countries around the world in recent years. I think using the language of music to express our culture is the best way to communicate, spread, and expand our influence. Chinese and foreign musicians have joined forces to tell everyone how to love peace and love life in the language of music. It's been a very busy year for the orchestra, with more than 100 concerts performed nationally, leaving a musical footprint around the globe, from South Africa all the way to Oceania. And there's a lot to look forward to in the coming year. In 2024, we will have more international cultural communication. The number of invited international artists will be much higher than before. I also hope the international exchanges can further open up in the future, whether it involves our musicians going abroad or inviting others in. A diverse audience is watching the performance. It's my birthday today. My wish is hope youngsters could have more time to appreciate music and beautiful things. They're too busy. We are looking forward for today's performance and we hope that it will be relaxing for us because we just travel around in Beijing. This is my first time here in Beijing, so I like it a lot actually. China's National Symphony Orchestra was founded in 1956. More than six decades on, it continues a tradition of sharing the joy of music with everyone. That was Wang Suwen on the New Year's concert by China's National Symphony Orchestra. A museum on the connection between Beijing and the 2,500-year-old Grand Canal has opened to the public in the Chinese capital. The Grand Canal Museum of Beijing has a total floor area of nearly 100,000 square meters. That is the size of 14 football pitches. Its main, exhibition, its main exhibition focuses on the history of Beijing and the ancient canal, shedding light on the interdependence of the city and the artificial waterway. The new museum resembles a boat in the canal by integrating vessel, sailing, and water elements into its architecture. Connecting Beijing and Hangzhou, the Grand Canal is the world's longest artificial waterway. Now it's 57 minutes past the hour. Let's check the weather before we go. Beijing is minus 5 on Friday evening. Saturday will be cloudy with a high of 3. Chongqing is 8 tonight, tomorrow sunny and 14. Lhasa is minus 7 overnight, tomorrow sunny and 4. Hong Kong is 18 tonight, sunny and 23 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo is 4 overnight. Saturday will have light rain with a high of 14. Islamabad is 9 this evening, tomorrow overcast and 21. Bangkok is 25 overnight, then light rain and 33 on Saturday. In Africa, Nairobi will see light rain with a high of 27 tomorrow. Finally, to Oceania, Sydney is 18 this evening. Tomorrow will have light rain with a high of 23. That's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, Israel warns that it may open a second war front on its border with Lebanon. 
the U.S. state of Maine has disqualified Donald Trump from running in the state's presidential primary. And we have reviewed China's top 10 news stories of 2023. On behalf of the staff, this is Do Hongyu in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From North to South, East to West, People in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys.